Bibles, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. Say, Pastor, this is not the Christmas story, um, but we're going to look at this particular verse that the prophet Jeremiah um, had, had written and inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. And I quoted this earlier, and it, it simply says this, Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with what? Part of your heart. No, some of your heart. No, with with all of your heart. And so uh, I want to look at this simple subject. And I believe they said this in, in, in the little vignette there that uh, what made the wise man wise? OK, what made them wise? All right. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, be with us. God, Lord, we feel your presence in this house. God, I pray, Lord, that somebody would come to know you, God. By the end of this service, God, I pray that someone would be delivered, Lord, in this place before the end of the service. God, I pray, Lord, that lives would be changed forever. God, have your will and way. God, anoint me. Use me as you see fit today. God, I am your, I am your vessel today. God, use these lips of clay how you, would, how you want to today, Lord. In your name we pray. And everyone said amen. So, uh, you know... Um, what what are you what are you looking for this Christmas season? Let me ask you that. What what in your mind? How many have a gift in mind that you are ready to receive? Come on, you guys need to raise your hand down here. Come on, all of you down here. How many say in your mind? There's something that I want that you may have verbalized or you may have told your spouse or given them, drop them hints. And some of you wives are dropping hints and you're dropping hints. And let me tell you, keep dropping hints because we're thick-headed husbands and we don't always catch the hints. All right. Uh, matter of fact, you just say, "This is what I want," right, and just point it out. Um, what is the perfect gift uh, in in for Christmas? You know, um, you know, uh, and not to alarm anybody, you only have two weeks left before Christmas. Woo! How many how many got all their shopping done? I have a wife that is on top of it. All right, and and how many still have some more shopping to do? I went out uh, yesterday uh, after the event here at the church. I, I told my wife, I said, oh, we'll go eat, and we went to. Uh, Bloomington, boy, that was a mistake. And uh, there was so much Christmas cheer running around the stores, and I was doing this, and uh, boy, that was a that was a mistake. And I uh, we went into one store, and I was ready to leave as soon as I got in there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But uh, but uh, you know, we're we're coming uh, around this Christmas season, and a lot of times Christmas can bring uh, people they lose their joy, they lose their peace because we make it about a lot of things that it should not be, right? And we stress over gifts when Jesus Christ is the perfect gift, right? Somebody say, well, uh, you know, if I give my kids Jesus Christ, which is the best gift that you'll ever give them, listen, they may be a little bit disappointed when they don't open up a shiny box with a, a Nintendo Switch in it or whatever the case, right? And so, but, but I want to follow this verse and the application of, of our story today uh, of the actual wise men. You know, they were foreigners. They, they were not of Jewish descent. They uh, really didn't belong on the scene, if you think about it, really, truthfully. But uh, it's a great example to how, um, how God gives the unworthy people an invitation to the table. How many know that God gives unworthy people an invitation to the table? And so I think there's some, some things that we can talk, uh, look in here. So um, do you know this, that this is interesting. You know what would have happened if the three wise men would have been wise women? Oh, that's a loaded question, right? 
All you women are ready to answer, and all you men are like, blah, 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 right? Number one, they wouldn't have been late. They would have asked for directions. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby, cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought practical gifts. <laughs> right? <laughs> what am Mary going to do with this gold and frankincense, right? Um, uh, you know, and, and one little boy was, was telling his parents about kids' class lesson that he learned about uh, the wise men, and he shared with them the gifts that the wise men brought to baby Jesus. And he said, you know, uh, I, they brought him goats, Frankenstein, and Smurfs. And so, um, so you know, it's all in the details, right? But, but uh, I, I know the, the wise men, they really round off the nativity really well, right? Um, but, but the truth is they really weren't there at the, at the beginning. There was a little bit of a lapse of time. We don't know how long of a lapse of time. Some people say 40 days. Some people say up to two years. We know it was up to two years because, you know, Jesus would have been under two and Herod had put out this decree to kill all the babies under two. And so, so after the story uh, uh, of Jesus at the manger and the angel of the Lord and the shepherds in the field, right, glory to God in the highest, beautiful thing, uh, the wise men from the east or the, the magi, uh, or magi is the Greek word magos, meaning uh, a scientist or uh, it's where we get our word magician, but don't think of them as a sorcerer or a magician, for, but think of them as scholarly they, they studied the sky. They studied the stars. And, and most scholars believe that these, these wise men or wise fellows came from Babylonian area. And so uh, today, if you want to put that in context, that would be Iraq or that would be Iran, okay? And they traveled, um, you know, it's estimated some 700 to 1,000 miles across the desert to see Jesus. Man, that's a, that's a long ways. And so I, I want to look at this story today. And so let's look at this. And so if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And these stories between Herod and the wise men, they, they, they overlap, unfortunately. Uh, but, but, it, but we're going to, so you may hear a few little things about King Herod in this, but that's okay. Everyone say, that's all right. All right, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 2. It, it says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, the, the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? King of the who? Last week, we learned that Herod was known as the king of the Jews. And so for them to come and ask this statement that someone else was born king of the Jews would have infuriated uh, Herod. Matter of fact, uh, the word used to describe his temperament there is he was shaking. He was so violently upset. For, and it says this, for we saw his star. Whose star? Who holds the stars in his hands? Come on. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And so I want to look at this first thing that we can learn about seeking the Lord, that we can learn from the wise man is this. They came in faith. Everyone say they came in faith. They came in faith. Uh, they were astrologers who studied the sky and the stars. And, and what's the link between these men traveling some 700 miles to see Jesus? And this is what it is. Everyone say this. Everyone say faith. Faith is what drew the wise men that day. Yeah, there was a sign in the sky because, and they understood the star. But listen, the star would have been like, hey, I see that sign. But faith is what compelled them to move on. Amen. So imagine seeing a star in the sky. Come on, just to put this in perspective, you see a star in the sky, and one night you're just like, okay, 
I'm going to start walking. And you just start walking towards this star blindly, not knowing all the details of everything that's going to happen, right? Uh, how many know that that takes an element of faith? I'll never forget when I asked Tristan to marry me. She said yes. And, and it took an element of faith, come on, to step out, to follow me, right, and, and to, to walk beside me. And we've been on this journey a long time. But, uh, and, and here's the thing. They don't even know uh, what, what this king of the Jew, Jews looks like. They don't have a picture. There's no Instagram. There's nobody posting about it. There's nothing. They don't know any. They just know uh, they've heard about it. They don't even know where he is exactly. Man, uh, talk about details. That's just, this is how we know it was men and not women, right? Didn't they need to know all the details? Just, just going, right? They didn't even know ex- exactly where to go. But what makes these men to, to decide to leave and head towards Jerusalem? I, I think the star got their attention, but I think faith kept them going. Amen? Faith. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by what? Come on, come on, Bible students. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing what? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. So, so you ask, well, where did these guys hear the word of God? They're over in, in Babylonian area. And where did they hear the word of God? Well, spoken, the prophet Daniel, he had spoke in, in the time when Israel was in captivity to Babylon some 487 years earlier. Daniel said this in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. He said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came, to, uh, uh, he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion. Everyone say dominion. And glory. Everyone say and glory. And a kingdom. Everyone say and a kingdom. That all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. Amen. Luke would go on to solidify this this prophecy because it would say of Jesus that his kingdom shall know no end. It doesn't matter what the devil tries. It doesn't matter what men try. The kingdom of God will prevail. It will go on. Amen. And so they heard the word of the Lord through the prophet Daniel in these ancient times of 487 years earlier. They, they heard the heart of God speaking through Daniel. They heard this, and, they, and it, their ears perked up. These Babylonian magi, they, they heard it. And so uh, they studied the stars, and they would have been assigned to them or, or made them to remember what they had heard in ancient prophecy. The star got them started, but faith kept them going. Amen. Amen. How many would say today, hey, my faith has kept me walking. My faith has kept me going. When I felt like quitting, my faith kept me going. Hey, your sign may have been your mom drug you to church and then you found Jesus. Your sign might have been God delivered you from drugs or whatever, alcohol or whatever the case. But can I tell you something? This faith thing is something that has to be walked out. If we're going to walk this thing out, it's going to take faith. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, it takes faith. Takes faith to believe in Jesus, amen. 
takes faith to follow Jesus, and it takes faith to remain in Jesus. And so uh, let me just give you a little bit of perspective here just to kind of help you out. I don't know. I need, I, need, I need examples. How many need examples to help you understand? Just a little modern-day perspective for you. Imagine this, okay? Uh, man, you, you are just sitting there, and you are about to go on a journey to California to see a person, but you do not know who that person is. You're just going, right? And you do not even know where that person is at. You just know a general area, but you know you're going to California. Anybody ever been to California? It is a large state. It is a very large state. It is big. It's the third largest state in the United States. And let me tell you, there's a lot of area to cover, all right? And so we have to understand that's what it would be like. It, it would be, hey, it may be a bust if we go all the way this way. It may, we may lose resources. I may be losing valuable time in my life. And we see them as three wise men in, in most nativity scenes. And, and we don't even really know if there was three, four, five, six, seven. We, we really don't. There's no, no number that really seen. It could have been 300 for all we know, right? Uh, and, but, but we know they traveled. And it makes sense. Come on, I'm just going to help you out here. It makes sense that they would have traveled in a larger group of three. I'm going to tell you why. Because the distance that they traveled, it would have been safer for them to go in a caravan or a group of people because there were thieves in the desert. There were thieves on those trails that they would have followed and they would have been through. And how many know that when you got a group of people, come on, people don't want to mess with a group of people, and they would have traveled in the desert. But they were, what we know about these, these magi is they were probably most likely affluent. That means they had money, all right? They had money and most likely wealthy. And remember, when they got to Jerusalem, matter of fact, you remember, they, they didn't have to fight to find Herod. Matter of fact, Herod, you know, knew that they were there, and they went straight to Herod. So that tells me that, that they probably came in with a caravan, and they turned some heads, and they had some uh, uh, influence, and they were affluent, and they caught the attention of the king, right? And they go straight into Herod, and Herod didn't kill them. He was used to killing everybody, and so they must have been somebody who had some influence that, yeah, you better not mess with these guys, King Herod, all right? And, and they even told him, hey, hey, we're here to worship the king of the Jews. And that, that, in essence, I said this last week, was a slap to Herod's title right there. It's like, hey, you listen, what they said to him was, King Herod, you are an illegitimate king. You're not the king of kings. You're not who, who you think that you are, all right? So Herod, you know, you, we know the story. He was checking with the priests, and he, he got them pointed to Bethlehem. He says, you know, correction here. Uh, he's not coming to Jerusalem, but he's actually going to be born in Bethlehem and only six miles. You know, it's only six miles from Bethlehem to Jerusalem. That's not very far, right? But it amazes me, King Herod, in that instance, is like, go find him. Come on. I can't walk this six miles to find him. But when you find him, let me know, then I'll come worship him. Let me ask you this, how often in our lives are we this close to the Lord, but we won't walk that extra distance? We won't have the faith to step out and say, you know what, I got to get there. I got to get to him. It doesn't matter who's looking at me. It doesn't matter. I've got to run to where he is at. So, so too are, are people, you know, uh, you know, who don't, who have never met Christ personally. They, they, they know of Christ, but they don't know him. Come on. There's a difference in knowing of someone and knowing them, right? So they keep seeking Jesus in faith. And so two things I, I want to look at real fast here that I think that we can learn from the wise men. All right. Number one, they never stopped seeking Jesus. They kept seeking Jesus. They, they never stopped. 
Didn't matter what obstacle was in the way. Herod tried to, you know, uh, you know, try to confuse him, try to make not. Didn't matter. Guess what? Hey, just keep going this way. Nope, this is not where he's supposed to be born. So just keep on going, right? Keep on swimming. Keep on swimming. Come on, Sister Dory. Preach it. Prophesy, right? Keep on seeking. Keep on seeking. Listen, maybe you're in a point in your life and you're like, man, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted and I don't know what to do. Keep seeking the Lord. And the scripture that I read today says that you will what? Find him. When you seek him with all your heart. When you've put everything about this world and you said it is behind me, but God is more important than anything else. When you begin to get to that place, guess what? You will find him. They were not sidetracked. They, they kept seeking. And, and here's the other thing I want to say about these guys. These guys were outsiders. They were foreigners. They were not Jewish. But they were seeking the king of the Jews. Think about that for a minute. They weren't Jewish, but they were seeking the king of the Jews. I, I find that highly interesting. I think it's a, a beautiful, beautiful picture for you and I. Because here's the deal. Because of Jesus, listen, listen, none of us. I don't believe in here. None of us are, are, are Jewish, you know, are Jewish in this house. Come on, but we are Gentiles. How many know because of Jesus Christ, come on, we are grafted in to the covenant that God gave to Israel. He has brought us in. He has given us invitation. To, we are outsiders, and Jesus says, come on in. Amen. What a beautiful picture for us. And the same covenant that God gave to Abraham, guess what? We can stand in boldness and say and come before the throne of glory is what, what, what Hebrews tells us because Jesus, come on, because of the price that he paid and what he did for us. So, so look at the nativity scene with me. You know, just, just picture this in your mind. Close your eyes. Two teenagers, baby Jesus, animals, shepherds who were the outcast of, of Jewish society. And then the Magi, who were never should have even been invited to the table. Who does God allow to come? The outsider, the broken, the people who don't deserve to be there. Come on, how many know that that's called grace? That's called unmerited favor. And still today, 2,000 years later, Jesus is saying, hey, come, come to me. If you're hungry, I am the bread. If you're thirsty, I will be the water. Come to me. Come on, those of you who are weary and heavy laden, come. And what? I will give you rest. Amen. Are you tired? Are you wore out? Are you, are you, are you spiritually uh, exhausted? Can I tell you something? Run to Jesus. I love this scripture. John 6, 37 says this. All that the Father gives me, this is Jesus speaking, will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. What a promise. That doesn't matter if you've messed up, if you've made mistakes, if you've fallen, uh, man, the Bible, what that tells me is you got to get back up and you got to run back to Jesus because he's there. Amen. And, and, and that's good news for you. How many know that that's good news for you and me today? Amen. They were led by faith to see Jesus and, and given a, a seat uh, uh, to see the most holy child. I mean, think about that for a minute. Just think about that for a minute. I, they didn't deserve it. How many of you deserve God's grace? None of us, but God, Ephesians 2, 4, but God, rich in mercy, come on, rich in mercy. He said, hey, I'm going to make a way for you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you, amen. And here's, here's the second thing that, the, that they did right here is they worshiped him, all right. 
They came in faith. Here's the second thing. They worshipped him. Everyone say they worshipped him. Matthew chapter 2, verses 10 and 11 said this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Say, hey, the Lord keeps on, uh, keeps on showing us things. And, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they what? It's easy just to say they came to worship him, but we often forget uh, or don't recognize the sacrifice these men made. It was a long journey to get there in that moment, right? The time, the months, I don't know, maybe even the years of travel, the cost of travel, the risk of travel. Worship is often a sacrifice for most of us, right? There's a term that we use. It's called a sacrifice of praise. What does that mean? That means it's going to cost me something when I come in and I begin to worship the Lord. What do you mean it's going to cost me? It may cost you your pride. You may have to set your pride and say, aside and say, I, I, don't feel like, I don't feel like lifting my hands. I don't feel like doing this at this moment. I don't feel like doing that. And, and listen, worship is not based on your feelings. It's based on faith. Come on, leaning into the Lord and saying, God, I, I'm going to give you all that I have. Some of us fight here on any given Sunday, right? Some of us on the way to church, we fight with our spouse all the way to church, and we walk in, and the greeter says, hey, good morning, and we're like, hi, how are you? We fight with our kids, come on, at breakfast on, on Sunday morning or, or whatever, get dressed. I told you to iron that shirt last night, right? And we fight, 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 and we come in the door, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, right? Come on, it's a sacrifice. The act of worship can sometimes be a huge sacrifice to us. It's a sacrifice of our pride saying, God, I don't care who sees me. I don't care if they know anything about me, if I'm weak or, or whatever the case. God, it does not matter. God, I will trust you, right? Here's the second thing, a sacrifice of our time. Oh, man, what do you mean a sacrifice of our time? Well, when's the last time you set some time aside just to worship the Lord, just simply that? I'm not talking about corporate worship. I'm talking about your private time with the Lord. Where you said, Lord, I'm just going to take the next five, ten minutes. I'm just going to worship you. doesn't matter who's around in the car. Matter of fact, that's one of my favorite times. If you ever see me pull up beside me at a stoplight and you see me bobbing my head, I am probably jamming to some worship music and I am probably worshiping the Lord. You see me singing out loud for all to hear. I don't care. It's not a Christmas thing. It's about praising the Lord. And I don't care who sees me. I may honk the horn. I may hit the panic button. Come on, I'm going to worship Jesus right there at that stoplight. I don't care. If people can dance on the street corners in Bloomington, I can dance with Jesus in my car. Come on right right sacrifice of our time sometimes it's a sacrifice of our money God's asking he's asking you to give he's asking you you know and giving is part of worship did you know that when you give to the Lord it's part of worship and it it, it may pull on your resources the sacrifice of our self right so when they saw the star resting above the home, I love this, where Jesus was, they what? They rejoiced. I love that word rejoice. You've heard me talk about this. Rejoice means this, joy and joy again. Redo, rejoice. Joy and joy again. Everyone smile, right? That means that regardless of the circumstance, I've got joy and I'm going to have it again. Doesn't matter. The bank is asking for my money. I've got joy, and I got it again, right? How many know that Jesus will give you joy over and over again and again and again and again and again? Amen? Psalm 51 says he is the joy of our salvation. 
And so joy followed by a, a, a respectful moment of worship that led them to fall down and they begin to bow and they begin to lay before the Lord. The, the, the Greek word to worship means to, to lay down, basically this. And, and it goes a little bit further in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the word for worship means to, to lay prostrate. To get down like this. And in the New Testament, the Greek word, it means this, to lay down. But it also means to come down a little bit further. But it also means a more intimate thing, to kiss. How many know that, that when Jesus came, he broke the, the, the veil that between the Holy of Holies that we could have access. That we could go straight into the throne room of glory, uh, of glory and with boldness and say, God, I have come to worship you. I don't have to come in fear because the price that you paid, it is a closer relationship. Amen. They worship Jesus. And, and I think about this. They worship this young child knowing that he would not, at two years old or younger, would, would not give them anything in return. You know what I find in my life? Oftentimes I worship the Lord because I want something in return. What if God never answered another one of your prayers? Do you love him enough to continue to worship him? Think about Job for a minute. I mean, that guy lost everything. And Job's wife, he lost everything but his wife. There's, there may be a story in that. I don't know. He went through all these trials and tribulations, but his wife's remained. I mean, anyway, so that's besides the point. I just stuck my foot in my mouth. I'm going to be in trouble when I get home. But his wife went to Job, and she said, why don't you just curse God and die? And I've often thought about that for a moment, but if Job would have cursed God and died, and I love the flip side to that, the reverse of that is, hey, surely if I bless God, I will live. Amen. And so uh, I love that. And so it, we, they worshiped him. Everyone say they worshiped him. You know, there's a difference in, in two different things. that were, they, were, they worshiped Jesus for who he was and not what he would give them. As a parent, it's nice when you give your kid a gift. They're always going to love you when you give them a gift, right? Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. It's just what I wanted. But there's a difference when your kid just walks in and goes, I just want to give you a hug. I just want to tell you I love you. And you're like, what do you want? That's our first response, right? I don't want, none. I don't want nothing. I just want to tell you I love you. I appreciate you. <laughs> right, as a parent? There's a difference in the two. I, there's a difference in I love you and I love you because, right? I love you says, hey, no strings attached. Even if you were mean to me, the rest, I, I still love you, right? I love you because uh, I, I love you because means you did something. So Jesus loves us not not because of what we did, but because of simply who He is. Think about that for for a minute. Not because we're good. Not because that Jesus says I love them. Yeah, I know. Skiles is a scoundrel. I know Skiles makes mistakes. I know he bobs his head at stoplights and goes too fast down thirty seven. And I know all these bad. But listen, man, I like that guy. Not because he's good, because I'm good in him. Amen. So then it says this. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, myrrh, myrrh. I won't repeat what he said. They brought gifts. And, and even though they were not practical, they were very significant to us. And they, they tell a story to us. Gold represents the, the kingship of Jesus, you know, and and, and tru truly when you think about this, when you go into a king's 
presence, what you would do in the Old Testament or any time. You go in, man, listen, you would bring something because you wanted to be on their good side. The Queen of Sheba, when she went to see King Solomon, how many of you remember that story? She went to see him, and she, she brought a whole retinue of, of gold and spices from her country because when she wanted to see Solomon, she wanted to let him know, hey, I come in peace. I come to give you things. I, I want a partnership here. And, and so it really what they are saying here, the, the wise men, what they're doing, they are the first to proclaim him as king, saying, hey, here's gold. Gold, the gold standard, right? The gold standard that uh, shows sovereignty of kingship. Gold was, uh, was customary. So here's the second thing, frankincense. Everyone say Frankenstein. Frankincense is interesting. It's uh, the high priest uh, uh, of Jesus. It was used in the house of the Lord during temple worship. Did, matter of fact, I, I saw this the other day on YouTube. There's a guy who is who has, I don't know, somehow found the plant in Israel to create frankincense, and he is he has a farm built making frankincense for the up and coming temple that they are building. How many know God is doing something? That God, he he's, he's doing some great things. But but look at this. This is this is interesting. So frankincense is 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 speaks of the Lord's prophetic or his his deity. How many know that God is God and you ain't? Right? And it was used in the temple. It was aromatic fragrance and it would fill the temple. Oftentimes when we're in here and we're worshiping the Lord, the fragrance of the Lord fills this place. Come on. And we know that he's here and we say, man, I I feel it, Lord. I I I know you're here. The fragrance of his his glory is here. It's a it's a picture of Jesus to us. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, when when he comes into the room like he did today, there's a fragrance, there's a presence that we fill in the house. Here's the last one. Everyone say myrrh. A burial perfume, a foreshadowed of the death of Christ. And how many know that Jesus came? He lived, he died, he he was buried. Come on, he was resurrected. And this is a picture. For us to know that his purpose was to come and die for you and me. It tells his purpose here on earth. The priest, they used myrrh in, in, in burials. It was a uh, kind of to, to cover the smell of death and, and to do those things. And so it was, if, it was if the wise men were prophesying about Jesus' purpose on this earth. We know, hey, we know, we know. That one day he he may do this. So so they they come to worship Jesus, the King of King of the Jews. All right, and when they worshipped him, they rejoiced. Everyone smile, and joy came over them. Jesus always brings joy. How many can attest to that? Jesus always brings joy. When I'm feeling down. I start seeking the Lord. I start praying. I start, man, I, I get myself in the closet. I, I listen to worship music. I bebop at the at the stoplights, right, to Jesus. And listen, he begins to fill me, and he begins to just pour into me. And, and I love that. And, and so, uh, I, you know, he brings joy. The angel said he will bring peace and joy to what? All mankind. That's you, 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 and all you people up there in the balcony. Everybody. And that means that there's still joy for you and I today. Amen. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. They brought gifts, priceless gifts that represents Jesus. Gold saying that Jesus is the king, right? He's the gold standard. How many know Jesus is the gold standard? Frankincense, a, 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 a fragrance 
to God saying, hey, he was a prophet. Myrrh, the perfume that the priest would use uh, um, as a priest and, and saying that Jesus Christ is our priest. He is our high priest. Amen. He was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Prophetically, I believe the wise men were saying, Jesus, hey, your king, your prophet and your priest. And Jesus would fulfill all of those roles. You say, man, that is some deep theology. That is what Jesus came to do. Amen. So, you know, some of us may know the Lord as our king and, and, and our prophet and the priest. And, and some of us need to realize that, hey, man, our job is to, to worship him. Can you do that for a moment? Can you close your eyes? Come on, with no one looking around. Listen, you've seen people walk up on the stage before. There ain't nothing new happening up here. Can you just begin to just lift your hands and worship the Lord right here in this moment? Pastor, there's no music. It's all right. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we honor you today. God, we, we bring you <laughs> glory in this house. God, you are the king of kings. Lord, you are the Lord of lords. We worship you, Jesus. And that's been the theme today. I mean, the Lord just, just man, he, he, man, he knows what he is doing. He has, he has made just a great presence in this house today. There's, there is something sweet in this presence today. Lord, we just worship you today. Lord, not just for what you've done in our lives, but for who you are. God, we, we, Lord, we seek your hands a lot, but God, we seek your face because we seek your character and who you are. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Here's the last point that I want to make is right here. I love this story of the wise men because after they encountered Jesus, they went home another way. They went home another way. Verse 12, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Can I tell you this? When you spend time with Jesus... You won't go home the same way. Because when you get close to him, you realize, man, I've I got some iniquities. i got some things I need to get off of me. And the Lord forgives us. And he, those things shake loose off us. And we go home and we leave this altar or we leave our place. And we're like, man, this load is so much lighter. I know, I know this is talking about the route that they went, went home, but can I tell you, I've truly experienced this in my life. Every time I've met Jesus, come on, I, I leave changed. I, man, things that I was battling with, I struggling with, when I come into and I begin to seek him and say, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this. And no matter what, how big it was, God, I'm, I'm struggling with this, God. And I get in his presence and I realize and I stop magnifying my problem and I start magnifying the king of kings and the Lord, Lord my problem begins to be very small. It, it, it's very frail to what the great God of the universe, Jesus Christ. Can I say this? Nothing can satisfy you like Jesus. You know, you could search this whole world. You can buy houses. And I want you to buy houses. We've got a lot of realtors in this church. You can buy houses, but they'll rust. They'll fall apart. You can have a big bank account. Inflation goes up. And your money's not worth what it, what it, what it was. Right? You can try relationships and you'll find yourself broken. Broken. 
and messed up. But can I tell you something? In, in, in Psalm 1611, it says this. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. I didn't write it. The Lord wrote it. He knows what he's talking about. I'm just the messenger. Why would I not ever want to be in his presence? Some of us want to walk around with a smug look on our face, upset at Christmas time. And I know Christmas, listen, I know it's a tough season. Some of you have lost loved ones, and it's a, it's a reminder of, of losing them. And I know it can be very tough. But can I tell you something? Seek the Lord, come on, and he will help you out. And he'll give you true joy that's not based on people, but it's based on him. Amen? 2 Corinthians says this, 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Thank you. The old has passed away. Behold, the, the new has come. And so Jesus, when you have a moment with Jesus, he'll change you forever. It's plain and simple. He'll change the way you, you walk. He'll change the way you talk. Come on, somebody, right? And he'll change the way you live. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Jesus said this a little bit further. You say, why do you keep repeating these scriptures? Because, listen to me, I need you to build your faith. Jesus said this, ask and it will be given to you, right? Seek and you will what? <sighs> promise. That is a promise. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will what? For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks what? And and to the one who knocks, it will be open. Man, I think we can learn something from the wise men. They didn't have it all together. They were foreigners. Didn't even deserve a, uh, to be, at, be at, the, uh, at the picture or at the table with Jesus. But listen, isn't that a picture of God's grace towards us? My challenge today for you is this. Will we stop seeking the things of this world and turn our hearts toward Jesus and start seeking him wholeheartedly? Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? In our opening verse, I said that if we seek the Lord with all our heart, that we would find him. And let me ask you this. This is just a personal question. Are you seeking him today? Can I tell you something? He's here to be found. Maybe you came because whatever reason, some God put up a sign. Maybe your sign was your mom drug you to church or your wife drug you to church. or Maybe you saw something on Facebook and said, I'm just going to go check this out. The star guided them, but their faith made them put one foot in front of the other. Not knowing the results, not knowing what would happen. They trusted the Lord. Can I tell you something? When you put your trust in the Lord, come on, he'll direct your paths. He'll lead and he'll guide you. He, he never fails. How many know that he never, ever fails? Romans 10, 9 says that if we believe with our heart, confess with our mouths, God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's, it's super simple. We don't have to walk 700 miles to meet him. Can I tell you something? You can meet him right where you're at in your seat today you're here today, you say, hey, pastor, I hear you loud and clear, and I have not been seeking the Lord. I, I just 
came by accident today and you say, I, I need a relationship with Jesus. Listen, you're not the only person in the room. We've all been there. We all need a Savior. We all we all need him. But if you're here today with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you say, Pastor, I, I need Jesus. I need to, I need a relationship with him. I need to seek him. I need, I need that joy. I need that peace in my life. If that's you, on the sound of my voice, no one looking around, you say, Pastor, that's me. Would you lift your hand? Anybody in this, this building right now? Thank you. Anybody else in this, this building? Come on, as we just tarry just moments. And Pastor, why do you do this? Because it's important. I want to do this. If you're here, you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved. I know Jesus, but I, but I haven't. I've been like the Pharisees, and I've been like Herod. I've been close to him. I know him, but I have not fully ran to him and, and I just need to reset today I just I need to get some things back in order I need to get some things about it listen everybody in here from time to time all 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 have to do this from time to time life happens we get out of whack and we we focus on things that are that are not eternal and not important today's the day where, where Jesus is saying hey I'm, I'm here say, hey, I, I just need to seek Jesus with my whole heart again today. If that's you, would you just do me a favor, just stand with me all across this building. If that's you, just stand, just stand. I want to pray with you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, thank you. Come on, I think there's more of you, some of you. Come on, don't let pride stop you. Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray, pray with you right this moment. Heavenly Father, God, I pray for every person, Lord, that's standing in this house right now. God, not we're not making them stand to make them a spectacle, but God, a measure of faith. God, it takes faith, Lord, a step of faith. God, I pray, Lord, that you would honor that today, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, Lord, that you would help them to prioritize, Lord, what is important, that seeking you above everything else. God, is, is more important than the riches of this world, more important than the things of this world, the relationships of this world, but knowing you, God, knowing you, Jesus Christ, Lord, that you made a way for us. We didn't deserve a place at the table, but Lord, you made a place at the table for us. So Lord, we say, Lord, we recommit to you. Lord, we resubmit to you. And we say, Lord, we're all in. We're all in. And Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, we glorify your name today. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, can you stand with me, church?